courage, I think for a lot of men, some of the most courageous things they'll ever do is be vulnerable mm-hmm. in front of other people. Welcome to the Relational Parenting Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hayes, a parent coach and 20-year child care veteran. Each week, I sit down with my own father, Rick Hayes, and discuss the complicated issues that parents face today, as well as some of the oldest questions in the book. From the latest research and the framework of my relational parenting method, we offer thought-provoking solutions to your deepest parenting struggles. Added bonuses include intergenerational wounding discussions and guest childcare experts. We will also start taking your parenting questions in episode five. So be sure to comment with your biggest questions or email me directly at jenny at jennyb.co. Let's get started. Steve Anderson is married and has two sons. He's the former director of the nonprofit Boys to Men Mentoring Network of Minnesota, where he led national and international transformational weekends for boys. He has over 10 years of experience working with men and boys, developing the emotional awareness and skills they need to reach their full potential. He lived through his own dad's spectacular burnout as a teenager and works with fathers to help them avoid doing the same in their own lives. He's a certified professional coach with training in applied neuroscience. Cool. Well, welcome, Steve, to the show. Welcome, everybody else, uh, to the Relational Parenting Podcast. Hello. Yeah. We, uh, we're here with Steve Anderson, who is a coach for fathers, and you have your own detailed history of your experience as a child with fatherhood and into your own experience as a father, um, and as well as work experience working with young men. Um, and I really, really appreciate you being here to share all of that with us today. Yeah, very much. Oh, and thank you very much for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. We, I set an intention with the podcast a few months ago, realizing that we were very female voice heavy with our guests, which is fine. We had that's and they're, they're wonderful. And we, we, um, but I just, I wanted more male voices, um, on the podcast and getting the, the perspective from, from fatherhood, um, as well as the experience of mothers. And so I'm also glad and grateful that you're here today to present that perspective as well. Yeah, thank you. It's interesting, right? The, when it comes to parenting, you'll, you know, go on Amazon, you'll see a million things for mothers and, you know, there'll be a few things for dads and it's just mm-hmm. smaller, right? The, um, and so I think it's, in, if you were going to pick moms or dads and say, who's less likely to ask for help, right? I think most people would be like dads, right? Because we got to you know, we're, we're competent, we can handle this stuff, even though our, our feet are like ducks underwater, right, going like crazy. And it's like, I think one of the hurdles that so many of us men face is that getting over, or not getting over, but getting to that place where realizing, right, that it takes strength to ask for help, right? It takes strength mm-hmm. to say, hey, ooh, mm-hmm. um, courage, I think for a lot of men, some of the most courageous things they'll ever do is be vulnerable mm-hmm. in front of other people. Right. And so I think it's you know great that we can, you know, have conversations and, and podcasts where, you know, we can uh, talk about things so people can, you know, hear it and get ideas and thoughts that they might not have had, you know, if they're just with their own group. 
Yeah, vul- vulnerability is a tough a tough one for guys because that's that's not often our role, and uh, you got to know when when and when not to. Yeah, a- absolutely right. Because we um, there are times right where if you're vulnerable, people are going to look at you and go, "What are you doing?" Right. <laughs> right. This is no stop. You know, so it's like we got to be uh, pick and choose. Right. Is so. I think there's my husband has explained to me because I'll I'll tease him in different social situations and be like, why are you like, why are you not not in front of other people? Like, we'll leave and I'll be like, why were you acting like that? Or what was what? You know, I felt you tense up or I felt you like not being yourself or whatever. And he'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, there, well, there was this one guy there that I that made me uneasy yeah. um, or whatever. Like he'll suddenly get very uh, short with somebody that we're speaking to, um, Mm -hmm. and we'll leave and and be in the car and I'll ask, I'll be like, what, what was that? And he'll be like, I didn't like the way they were talking to you or like, you know, and, and there's very much a protective instinct, um, that I think most men have. And, and there's, there's a level of like, you don't want to be vulnerable, Um, and then, you know, you get into relationship with, um, if you're in a relationship with a woman and she needs your vulnerability in order to connect with you, and then your children need your vulnerability and it's hard, like you've got to flip that switch and kind of gauge when, when to use it and when to be the protector. And I can't, yeah, I can only imagine that that's so so difficult too, right? If you haven't done it a lot. Yeah. You're you're going to screw up. <laughs> or, you yeah. Know, it's yeah. going to be ugly or awkward the first couple times you do it, right? Which puts even yeah. that that more pressure on, right? But it's uh it's it's one of those things where the more you do it, you start getting practice with it, your partner starts practice. to understand better and you can get that um give and take and and you know, I was just reading something too and it was talking about how oftentimes when it comes to say comfort, comforting somebody who's going through a, like a stressful mm-hmm. situation, there's a, and like, again, anytime I'm talking about, you know, generalities, of, of course, there's more, there are generalities. There's always people who are on the, the, you know, very, very, you know, nurturing fathers and very, you know, so yeah. just understand that. Uh, but a lot of times uh, for women, they will want more specific help. Or, or mm-hmm. specific conversation. And a lot of times with males, it's not what you say. It's the fact that you are beside me when this is going on. So mm-hmm. like if I've got a friend who's going through a hard time, you know, there's a chance we're not going to spend much time talking about it, but yeah. I might be next to him for, you know, 20 minutes on a fishing pier, you know, where we say, 10 words and that topic has been brought up. So it's not ignoring it. Mm -hmm. Right. And just kind of being there. And it's like, that's, that's helpful. You know what I mean? That's Mm. care. And so I think sometimes all of us can get into the, I need to fix it. Right. My, my child, Mm -hmm. my partner, they're hurting. I want to fix it. And it's like, yeah, that instinct is there, but sometimes, right. What our kids need, what our partners need is just to be there with them as they go through it. And, Mm -hmm. um, so easy to say, yeah. right? but hard to do when you're seeing your kid, you know, crying or having a meltdown and you're just like, oh, I want to, you know, go in and strangle that 
fifth grade teacher right. because I know my kids hold, getting bullied. That's right. Hold that thought while I take care of this for you. Right. Yeah. 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 So do you, so is vulnerability, um, one of the components that you find yourself coaching dads on? Um, so yes. And it wouldn't, and it's not like, okay, so here's today, we're going to talk about vulnerability or, or sort of thing. It's, it's more, um, about, okay, let's have a, let's have a real conversation and just understand that where I'm coming from, right. I'm not coming from a place of judgment. Mm. Right. So and I think mm-hmm. that that's, that, that's really important. Right. So first you got to, I think it's really important that I can create, um, uh, a place of, you know, this is not, so you tell me that you're, you're yelling at your kid, you know, I'm human. I might think to myself, "Stop yelling at your kid," mm-hmm. but uh, but I'm not going right. to say, "Oh, you horrible person." You know what I mean? It's like, okay, right. so so t- um, you know, how do you feel about that? And then if the person's like, "Oh man, I feel like crap afterwards," but they've um, or the kid was in danger, and so I needed to yell. And then maybe it's like, well, you know what? Maybe yelling to keep your kid from getting hit by a car. Mm-hmm is excellent parenting. Yeah, <laughs> you that's know, justified but, use of force, yeah. Yeah, right, but <laughs> maybe when you're yelling because the the grade isn't what you were expecting or something else happened is, you know, is, is that the result that you want? So, you know, I think vulnerability is built into the process. And, yeah. and you can't get there, though, unless you prove that, yes, I'm somebody you can say this stuff to and I'm not going to... Yeah you know, move straight to judgment or correction. You know, it's that, that fixing yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a huge part of it, but it's interwoven is just part of the the practice. And I think it's something that we can all do right with, if we're consciously aware, right. And that's the, the, the tricky part. And one of the things I call um, the program, the, the best dad program, that's the, the one that I do. And it's not a great dad. And mm-hmm. it's the best dad. What's if I had parentheses, I'd put in the moment. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. if I'm exhausted, right, maybe the best dad I can be is just that I cool it and don't respond to something that's going on mm-hmm. and say, right, because I look at I'm tired, I'm stressed out from work. If I <laughs> my response is not going to be proportional. So hey, kids, this is important. We're gonna but we're gonna deal with it, but not today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm not that that spot, right? Whereas another day, it was a great day at work. You come home, you got energy, you know, and all of a sudden this thing's blowed up and you're like, because you're in the right place, you can be like, hey, what's going on? Come on, tell me what's going on. You know, and, oh, yeah. and you can, you know, to be your best in the moment um, has so much going into it. And that's one of the things I think it's important. There's two things that I, I think men should really, that help men out a, a lot. And one is understanding the mechanics of our brain, right? Why? Because mm. so much of the, and you've even, you know, the last two, or not the last two, but a couple of your hosts were talking about stuff that could have been straight out of neuroscience, right? Yeah. Feng Shui, setting up your environment. You know, one of the things I mm-hmm. took a um, uh, neuroscience for coaches, this 14-week course, and it was awesome. And it talked, one of the things it talked about is you have to set your environment up. For, environment always wins. 
Yeah. If you want to lose 10 pounds, it's not going to happen if you keep bringing donuts into the kitchen. Yeah. So, you know, there's a simple one. Or if you want to play catch with your daughter, you make sure that the glove and ball is somewhere where you can find it and you don't have to go searching in Mm -hmm. the garage or a closet and you're going to lose the momentum. And so some of the things, right, like just figuring out how the brain responds to the situation and how emotions get kind of uh, responses get hardwired in. That's a huge thing. The other thing uh, goes into the stories that we tell, right? The mythology of parent, of mm. the mythology of being a father, right? What to me does it mean to be a father? Or and what are the other stories, right? And some of us have been propped up, so we have a, a funny story about everything we do, nothing could go wrong, and you know that's going to set up its whole bunch of things that don't work. Some of us have been told, right, that we're not worth it, right? Maybe some, you know, yeah. parent wasn't emotionally there and so we've internalized that and so there's you know either one of those stories right you're you're great and perfect and can't make mistakes or you're not worth it both of those how do they not show up right so yeah looking at and rewriting those uh can be you know huge in changing how we react it's a lot of work you got to be like you're talking about awareness and practice you know, that's uh, uh, when you go through something like that, to get through something like that, that's a lot of work. You have to be forgiving of yourself to to, to make that journey through, back through. Yeah, I put yeah. it like this. Be, oh, sorry, that's okay, go real. ahead. Uh, being a parent is like being on a journey and they give you the packing list after you arrive at your destination. <laughs> yes, I yes, like thanks. It's <laughs> a great metaphor. <laughs> I end up I end up saying that is like being being a good parent requires you to look backwards at your own childhood and where you're at now because of it and then reweaving the stories you want to pass on to your children like becoming a parent requires you to go backwards first. Yeah, and then and here's the tricky part too. Because and, and I've done this myself. We need to be the parent our children need and not the one that we wanted growing up. Hmm. You know, cause when I started in this, right. It's like, I'm going to be the dad I needed. And it's like, Whoa, okay. That's a starting point. But it's like, Steve, your, your boys are very different than you. And it's like, Oh crap. <laughs> now mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta figure out what, what they need, but it's a decent starting point, but it's, it's a starting point. Definitely not the end. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I've read that quote a hundred times online. There's a meme that says, if you want to be a good parent or whatever, if you want to be a good parent, be, be the adult you needed when you were a kid. And I think that, that as an initial mindset shift, I think that's fantastic place to start, like you said. Um, but then there's also, like each child that you have is going to be very unique and very different and have different needs. And so your job as the parent is not just to parent yourself because then you're just projecting yourself onto your kids. It's to look, it's to be very intentional and to pay close attention and get to know your children very intimately individually and to parent them the way they each need to be parented. Um, yeah. I think that meme is 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 great for you know uncles and aunts and adults working with teenagers you know and it mm. was really a part of I, I'd call, it's a part of my healing mm. process was so when I grew up and just super short both of my folks dealt with mental illness 
So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had food, there, there was shelter, but the, that was challenges, right? And there were things that I did. Yeah. Um, my coping mechanisms looked good on the outside. And actually, they were right. If I was really good in school, nobody would ask about what's going on at home, right? So, so my mm-hmm. coping strategies on the other I'm doing well in school and, you know, people don't know what, what's going on. And that, though, was not moving me forward emotionally, like where I needed to be, you know, to, to be in a, you know, healthy relationships as an adult and, and just mm-hmm. things like that. And when um, I went through a the Man, Mankind Project, they have a, a, a really neat, uh, good program for a, a weekend where you start looking at those stories, right, and rewriting the tapes. Uh, but after that, I did that, and I'm like, "Ooh, this is this is good." I'm starting to touch in on I, learning to express myself because I've kept all of this, you know, buried down. You know. And then through there, they're saying, "Hey, there's this group, Boys to Men. Uh, there's Mentoring Network of Minnesota, and they mentor teens." And I'm like, "Oh, let's let's okay, I'm gonna go check this out." So I went, and the first there's a weekend training. I, I think. A lot of us meant love a good weekend training, right? So you go and you do something, you got a purpose, you're going to leave with You're like, hi, when you leave, yeah. (laughs) Give me some tools, I'm going to fix it. And when we walked in, they had a part of the group was actually the teenage boys who were part of the organization. And right, walk in and one of them goes, where were you? You know, and it's like, you know, where, and I'm like, oh man, right? Because, and it was just, it, it just hit. And that's where I started, right? I'm okay. I want to be the adult for these teenage boys that I'm mentoring that I wanted in my life or that I needed in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it was a great place to start. And so if, if, if you're, I think if there's anybody out there listening, you're going, where do I start? Yeah. Start with that one. And then just know mm-hmm. after you do that, then you can get Jenny to what you were talking about, right. And, and more, great place to start but then it's about knowing that the people that you're with understanding their uniqueness and their individuality and you know being there for you know the adult that they need in their lives um yeah you know is but that takes a while i mean i'm i'm 50 yeah. plus you know it's like i didn't it, um and i was slow to the <laughs> slow to the game it, it uh, you have to give yourself some grace that's right. You have to give yourself a chance to dig out of whatever, you know, uh, a lot of people who have had trauma, I think you have to have a reason to go become self-aware and do and do the digging to do the work so that I think there's always it seems like there's a lot of times uh, some work to be done to dig, dig back out. You don't you don't you don't come up with this stuff when you're 16, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, for, for me, um, doing that work right and and working with with the mentoring it's oh and i don't think enough people realize about when it comes to volunteering you know like oh steve you were volunteering with boys what a great guy and it's like you know thanks um but, but really there's a there's a a very good selfish reason to volunteer and to help people yeah right because man does that feel good I mean, yeah. it just, you know, it, it, it feels good. You talk about purpose, you know, what are you going to do today? You know, well, I'm going to, you know, am I going to watch six hours of television or a screen or am I going to go help some, you know, be involved in something for a couple hours? And it's like, man, usually that being involved in a couple hours, unless you've overextended yourself and that's a whole other thing that, right, that, that men can do, you know, that is, 
and that's self-care, right? To me, helping other people mm-hmm. is absolute form yeah. of, of self-care because it gets it out of your head. Yeah. Well, we were meant to live that way. We were meant to be in community and to, yeah. and to once you're, you know, an adult, you reach back to the next generation and, and help lift them up and bring them forward. And yeah, we were meant to, to work together. Back to guys we were talking to, it, it helps to be in a group sometimes with guys. It's mm-hmm. one on, one-on-one can be awkward-er sometimes, right? I mean, it's private too, but it sometimes when you're in a group of guys and somebody's brave and goes first and says, hey, I've got a challenge here, right? You'll Then then this huge discussion will kick off uh, with shared experiences. And you, being part of the group, you get to hear other perspectives and go aha and recall things and yeah it's a that's a real that's a real good thing groups of groups of guys talking yeah, like that but boys to men yeah yeah and it's scary right but if you're that first person who talks to it's like also that's practice in leadership yeah you know mm-hmm. and there's that vulnerability you're asking about too it's like you know the question i have for you jenny is you have been talking about going backwards and i think that's awesome and you're doing a podcast with your dad. So my yeah. guess is you got a pretty decent relationship going on. So how, how, how does that, <laughs> um, cause I think a, a lot of like, um, I ended up as an adult having a pretty good relationship with my parents. They've both passed now, but there was definitely a, a long period where it was like kind of, you know, hi, see you on the holidays. Right. Yeah. Um, what do you think what's gone into you having a, a strong adult relationship with your dad? And how do you think that um, shapes things that you do? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. um, Well, I think that there was a lot of teenage years, middle school and teenage years where we had, like really deep conversations about very real life things. We would talk about parenting. We would talk about um, my relationships, like my boyfriend and and what it meant to be a girlfriend or a boyfriend um, in a relationship. And we would talk about religion and politics. And, you know, there was never really, I never felt like there was a subject that was off limits. Um, and so I think that that laid the groundwork for, and then, well, and then there was college where I, I had a bunch of mental health issues that he, you know, came and helped. Cancer caught up with her and yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he helped find a psychiatrist. He, like, he was there helping me through that, um, and And then, yeah, I mean, we, I've been in Colorado for over 11 years now and he's still in Illinois. So we don't see each other, um, very often. And it's very much usually on a holiday or something. Um, but when I was starting to have the idea for this podcast, I thought I was thinking to myself, who who could I talk to on camera? Cause I'm not, I am not <laughs> a show up on social media, take pictures of myself, be on camera kind of person at all. Um, and 
I was like, who would I be the most comfortable and natural and authentic talking to? Mm -hmm. And who would have a perspective to offer on this podcast? And it was, I mean, it wasn't even like a list of people. It was just immediately, it was my dad. And then, and then from there it became like, Ooh, like this is cool. There's a whole intergenerational thing. And, and we've had, and, and that's not to say like we've fought, we have had disagreements. I have, sometimes, you know, we lived together for a while while I was in college and there that we, there were, there were conflicts and I've called, I've called him out on some parenting stuff, you know, especially when I got older. Um, and he actually presented a note that I had written him once, uh, at my wedding. Yeah during his, his father of the bride speech and, um, that I had called him out on cause I found his cigarettes in his car. <laughs> I, I took the smoking in the car thinking I was being sneaky. Getting away with it. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, I gave him a full, I remember giving him like he was sitting in a chair in the living room and I was standing up and I <laughs> wagging my finger at him, giving him a full blown lecture on being alive to walk me down the aisle. (laughs) So, so I think that there has just been a level of authenticity allowed inside of our relationship. That's the word is authenticity. I've always tried to be authentic with you. Even when he was imperfect or I was imperfect or he didn't like what I was saying and, and, yelled back or, you know, like what, even though it was imperfect, I think that there was a rare level of authenticity that we had. And ever since starting this podcast, I've had so many women tell me how lucky I am to have what I have with my dad because they don't have it. They don't have, like they love, they might love their dad. Their dad loves them. They like, everything is great, but it's not, I Hmm. guess, as deep or as intimate. We talked at the outset of this about how, you know, uh, there weren't a lot of other father daughter podcasts out there. If any, and I don't think there's any that we I, found. I've saw, I found a couple, but they went on 10 episodes and kind of petered out. And mm-hmm. I suspect it's because they ran into difficult subjects and, you know, didn't, it got too painful or something. Mm-hmm. Because we had some, yeah, we're we're kind of smoothing things out now, but it did it drug stuff up, and we had some pretty serious yeah. discussions, especially in the early days. Triggering you know? behind the scenes conversations. Yeah, <laughs> I think though that it's so important though that too that you share that. Yeah, right for people looking at this re- relationship, and oh yeah, you know w- one of the things I I know, and I think so when I met Katie, that's my wife. Uh, her boys were four and nine. And, and so luckily, and I had the benefit I've been, I'd been in working with boys and boys to men, you know, so I worked with a, uh, a lot of boys who had, whose parents were divorced. And so mm-hmm. I knew, you know, some of the things to avoid. I also, you know, I, I, I knew number one to is going to, my job was number one to just be patient, you know, and, yeah. and give them time for the, the change. And the new guy. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, I forgot where I was going for a second. And this, but I know that at some point, I am sure both of my boys, well, one's already a young man in college, and the other's 
10th grade. So they're getting, I have no doubt in my 20s or 30s, I, I don't know what it's going to be. But they'll each probably in their own way, you know, come back and say, Dad, what the hell were you doing when? Yes. And, yeah. and they're going to say something that maybe I'll remember, maybe I'm not. And I'm preparing myself, <laughs> you uh-huh. know, so when that comes, it's good to come. And then you're just like, you know, you don't want to in. do it too much. You don't want to second guess and overthink too much. But you do back to the mindful and awareness thing. You do want to have a good reason for what you do. You know, oh, so yeah. before before you have a big reaction to anything, you kind of want to go, yeah, okay, I can explain this in a court of law or what, you know, it's like I can explain this to my child why I'm, why I'm doing this this way, why I punished, why I didn't, you know. Well, let's say this, Rick, I hope I can explain it. <laughs> and if well, I that's right. I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I don't know. Gosh, that sounds really stupid in hindsight. Or I'm like, well, there you, know, you go. Yeah. It was the, I thought it made sense at the moment. Um, it didn't. And then, and then, right, at least no matter what happens, right, how much he won't be carrying it around, mm-hmm. right, Th- this resentment, this thing. Yeah. And, and if I just do um, an okay job of responding and taking it in, we're going to be able to move forward. And I, yeah. one of the things that my dad wasn't able to do for the longest time, and it drove me crazy as a son, he um, was gone a lot. Actually, you know, moved out of the house when I was a teenager to, he had a, to go and retrain for, for a new career. And so he was, mm-hmm. uh, because he burned out on, on the last, on the, the main one. Of, and he was just gone and emotionally unavailable. And when I would bring this up in my my twenties and early thirties, he would say, and I would, it was like a mantra. His dad died when he was five. End of story. (laughs) And I'm like, as an adult, I can say, oh man, I am so sorry. You know, Mm -hmm. that your, your dad died when you were five. That, that must've been horrible. I know your mom dated alcoholics Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're anxious as a kid and you throw all of that together. It's, and I'm your son, damn it. You weren't there for me. (laughs) You know, and it's like, and he, he was so angry. And he told me this later, he was so angry at God for taking his dad. And that's the way that he he Mm -hmm. looked at it, that he couldn't, until he got past that, he wasn't in a spot to own how he showed up as a father in my life. Yeah. And so there was always when he couldn't, and, and it wasn't like, I mean, I wasn't even, I was just looking for acknowledgement, Yep. you know, and as long as he couldn't do that, there was always an extra distance b- between us that, um, you know, maybe I could have done a better job on, but I wasn't, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. like, no, damn yeah. it. The, yeah. the son in me, just needed that acknowledgement. And then when he got to the point where he could, it was like, okay, yes. now we can go forward because we're not coming from this imaginary past, yeah. right? That didn't have, you know, ups and downs. Cause if we only talk about the ups, that's, yep. that's make believe. And, you know, if we're only yeah. focused on the down, that's make believe too, but we, we got to go for, both I, to me yeah. need to be in that 
story. I want to hop backwards to the very beginning of our conversation because you said something um, that I think is really important for parents to hear. Um, and that's that being the best version of you is going to look different every single day. Being 100, being at 100% is your, let's see, I read, I read this once, um, and I'm probably going to quote it incorrectly, but it was life-changing for me because, you know, everyone's always like, give a hundred percent every day, give a hundred percent every day. And a hundred percent is going to look different for you (laughs) every day. So Mm -hmm. I might have a day where I talk lovingly to my spouse, where I get my whole wish, you know, my whole to-do list done, where I get the dogs outside for all the exercise they need, or where I get my kids to school on time and I eat the salad and I, you know, do all the things. And the next day I might be sleep deprived and exhausted and, or I, tweaked my back during my workout yesterday when I was giving a hundred percent, you know, and I might not be capable of all of those things that next day. And so my 100% is going to look different um, than it did the day before. And I think that that, well, let me ask you this. Do you, especially working with men, do you run into men who have super high expectations, like unrealistic expectations of themselves woven into these stories in their head. Oh, I, for sure. I mean, I, I think that's, that's um, so much of the pressure, right. We put on ourselves, right. That I, you know, I, and now if you think about too, the, the expectations have, um, have shifted and it hasn't been a lesson of any of the workload. You know, it's like, so there's still that expectation that you're going to put in the long hours, but you're also now supposed to be home and available. And it's like, wait a second, that's, that's, that, that's physically impossible, right? There's, yeah. So there, there, so, you know, some of it is expectations. So, so much of it too is, is, you know, um, when you come home, for example, um, it's like, well, or maybe you've been home all day, right? Because half of us are, you know, have moved from our, our home office. I mean, well, um, what does your partner need? What does your dog need? And what is your what do your your pets need? And and it's like there's a there's a ratio, right? I mean, sometimes you're gonna yeah. have two people in the house who really need you. What do you do? How do you handle that? Sometimes it might be, you know, man, I might be feeling just maybe I was you know, looking at a picture of my dad and I'm, I'm feeling really like nostalgic and I want to have this, you know, so I'm going to go, you know, bond with my son. And he's really wants to study for a math test or he's online with his friend who lives in Florida, who he hasn't seen, you know, in a month. So it's like, man, you know, he, he's going to hang out with his friend in Florida and I'm going to, I mean, I think sometimes, too, we show up and the people around us um, are living their own lives and have their own things going on. So it's the, the, how often are we like totally in sync, right? Like right. I get home or I don't get home. I work from from home, right? But it's like, so I'm downstairs. My wife is upstairs. You know, how often do we both come up at the same time? And she's just like, I had a great, you know, I just had a great meal. And 
uh, meeting. I feel like joking around and I come up and say, you know what? I just had a great podcast. Boy, aren't we both in a good mood? Let's have fun. Ha ha ha. You know, it's like, it's like, no, I have a good podcast during or something. And, and you go up and it was just a, a terrible meeting or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, son comes it's home and he yeah, a, goes straight up to his person. room. Like, okay, was that a big deal or not a big deal? Or he just like, so um, it's, that I guess, you know what happened when you were saying a hundred percent, that was like, I'm like, Ooh, I didn't like it. You Right. That whole, because it's like that the, the, there's no reserve. I don't even know that if it, if I'm a hundred percent in dad mode, then I'm 0% in husband mode. And you know what I mean? I, 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 and I need at least, I need, 2% pet so they don't die, you know, right. more than 2% husband mode. So our relationship stays strong. Plants. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, too, too, they're too much work. I ha- I only Once got hundred percent of time. Rick. I got, you know, I got 40 here, 30 where, there. Where do how I splice this pie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, thank you for, for coming back to that because, sometimes, sometimes we do really need a kick in the butt. Yeah. You know, and and look at, and, and, and other times we got to like, hold on a second. You might not be doing, you might not be the parent that you want to be, that you know, you can be. Okay. You've got this acknowledgement. This is awesome. Now. Great. How do you start restructuring mm-hmm. how things are set up right that even the, the the physical stuff how do you start rescheduling your schedule how do you start looking at the story you've been telling yourself seeing you know there's there's so much that you can do to think about if i'm not happy right now and i make some big drastic change my kids aren't going to believe it for starters right, right. because mm-hmm. if i've been a workaholic for for the first 10 years of their lives and then come home and say i'm not Kids, we're going to spend so much time together. And I'm not going to be a workaholic. They'd be like, Yay. They're not going to believe that. Yeah. Why would yeah. they? You got to yeah. prove it. Now, if I didn't even tell them, but I said, you know what? I'm leaving 15 minutes earlier every day from work, right? Just start mm-hmm. with something small. All of a sudden, I'm home 15 minutes earlier, right? Or if I say, you know what? I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier and I'm going to be there at breakfast. For mm-hmm. at least five minutes, you know, or yep. something. So I think, that, and then now you get a positive shift, right? You haven't restructured your whole world because, my goodness, how intimidating and, and chaotic right. is that going to yeah, be? Too big, too much, yeah. Right, but what's what's the one small change you could make today or this week, right? Yep. And try it out. And maybe it's yep. terrible. We get to be terrible parents sometimes, and it sucks because we don't want to be, but... It's like, ooh, I totally missed that conversation. Shit. Excuse my language, but (laughs) (laughs) so okay. What happened? What happened in that situation? What was I thinking? You know, to to have that time to reflect a little bit. Do a little post-mortem on it. Yeah. Right. So so the next time, maybe I handle it a little bit better. Right. And if I handle it a little bit better and I keep going like that, hopefully what our kids are gonna remember is look at dad, he tried, mm-hmm. he changed, things got better in this area, you know, because yeah. they're noticing what else they, they got notice. to pay attention to, you, you know, if they can see, 
And so, uh, and at the end of the day, at the end of the week, right. Um, you know, if you can look back and say, you know, it's like, okay, what did I do well today? Right. Yeah. Cool. And is there something I can do better? You know, and, um, if you can ask your kids that, that would, that acknowledging, like if you messed up in a conversation and you go back a day or two later after reflecting and say, Hey, I really don't like the way that I handled that conversation with you. And I'd like to try again. Can we try again? Mm -hmm. And, or even just, I don't, I, I didn't show up as my best self in that conversation for you. And I'm sorry, or just, just any, any acknowledgement, even straightforward to your, to your child, admitting that you're an imperfect human sets the example that they're also allowed to make mistakes and come back and try again. That's right. And they don't expect you to be perfect anymore. Absolutely. And it keeps those little wounds from, you know, things you didn't realize you did. (laughs) Ideally it would cut down on those hanging around forever. And that gives them the opportunity too, that a week later to come up to you and say, you know, I really didn't, ah, I kind of screwed up in school. There you go. Right. Or, I wasn't telling you the truth when I said I'm not smoking those cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's right. That's you know, right. So. Exactly. No, I think a lot of it is uh, priorities. I know you're making me think back on my history, and I remember making the kids a priority. I mean, you, there's, you've got time. We're mostly talking about slicing up time. How do we spend our time? And then money and you know, you have to become aware. What we're, I think what we're talking about is you have to become aware that there are finite resources you have, your energy, your tank, your charge, whatever the whatever the best metaphor is. And some days you're going to be have a full tank. Sometimes you're not. And you're going to have, there's going to be circumstantial stuff. And so you have to spend a couple of seconds in the back of your head periodically through the day saying, how am I going to expend my energy? What's important now? Who's, who needs what? And it's complicated. I used to complain that there was not a book written on this, you know, raising kids, being a parent, they've been doing this a while now. Somebody ought to have made a good text. And the problem is it's just too complicated and dynamic, you know, it's, it's, you got to just stay at it. Well, and how about this too? I think there is opportunity in our obligations. So we've got two boys and, and my, my oldest son. So Katie and my taught my oldest how to drive, right? And just temperamentally and everything worked out. That just made sense. Okay. So I'm teaching my youngest son how to drive. And so in oh. uh, Minnesota, it's got to be like 50 hours uh, in the daylight and like 15 at night. Oh my, that's and, a lot. Yeah. And it's like, so, so um, he's a good driver. Definitely every time we do something new, it's stressful. Both of our hearts are going, oh, oh, oh. It's like, so here's something that I have to do. And as I'm doing, I'm like, holy crap. I got 65 hours with my son. Yeah. Side by side in a car. Yeehaw. Yeah. And so a lot of times <laughs> we are not going to have a deep conversation at all because that will get yeah. us killed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I've driven yeah. the speed before. Right. Yeah, he needs take your time. Yeah. To to focus. But we're together, right? 
Maybe he goes through a stop sign. Maybe I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and he's like, okay, learning. And, you know, I mean, he can see opportunities for correction, right? And, and doing it in a way that, um, you know, both correction, hey, son, you went too fast there. I'd slow down, right? Too nice job on that turn, right? So you just all there these small interactions and no radio because he's learning how to drive, you mm-hmm. know, smaller light conversations. And it's funny if a conversation starts going a little bit past light, it's like, nope, we got to shut it down because new drivers, you know, the three of us, we've been driving for, you know, 15 to 40 years. We can do a lot of stuff on autopilot, but in the beginning, yeah. not, yeah. Um, yeah. but that obligation is, is great. I, um, so I used there's to opportunity live, there. I used to live for chances to get my to trap my kids in the car with me. That's where Jenny and I had oh. some. We'd have screaming contests, see who could scream higher pitched, and uh, you know it wasn't all fun and games. But I used to look for opportunities to be one on one or one on three, whatever, with the kids because the we had the best conversations. There's nothing else to do. There's no distraction. You know? When he was driving. When I was driving. <laughs> I, I love side-by-side stuff, right? Yeah. Because there's there's something, and it's not just boys, too. I think there, there's something about, you know, if you're side-by-side in a car or maybe you're side-by-side and you're both at drawing or painting on a canvas or just any fun yeah. side-by-side without that mm-hmm. eye contact can actually counterintuitively lead to better conversations so because it's less it's less intimidating to be vulnerable if you're yeah. not looking directly at each other jenny brought yep. that up in a, in a previous podcast something about being like this instead mm-hmm. of like this yeah yeah you put a, a crayon in some a smaller kid's hand and you're just drawing you know and asking about the day you might get more out of there right mm-hmm. or then you can you know um you know you can also do, um, you know, things like draw your classroom, you know, and then you draw two and stuff and all of a sudden, you know what I mean? And you can mm-hmm. look at the picture and tell me about the picture. We get a little EQ going on in there, you know, how do they, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and if you can see, you know, if, if, if the teacher has demon horns on, right, your kids either <laughs> very creative exactly. and funny, right. Sure. Or there's a bad relationship going on, you know, so yeah. there's a, a <laughs> how know. fat is that built? What do they call it? Projectives? I forget now. Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, you extrapolate things from drawings. Mm. Yeah, yes. yeah. Just sitting sitting around coloring with the kids. They actually, there's actual, there's, there's um, research-backed science on um, the importance of play with children. Oh. The importance of play for all of us. Yeah. There's research-backed for, for anyone at any age. The, 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 pointlessness of doing something that you just enjoy just to have fun. But specifically in children zero to seven, um, there's a lot of research now that shows that children need play in order to connect with us. Um, They need us to play and not 24 seven and not all day, every day, like your children will learn to entertain themselves and play together. Hmm. And, and in fact, uninterrupted play is extremely important for their neural development. But 
but you will have a deeper conversation with your three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old when you sit down and play cars or sit down and color or do whatever they're doing. And you can pop a few questions in there about their day or, you know, their teacher or whatever. Um, they will talk to you. And sometimes you don't have to say anything. They'll just start talking to you because mm-hmm. their hands are busy. And so mm-hmm. now their brain can kind of turn on. Whereas if you're like yeah. interviewing your child in the back seat about like, you know, how was your day? What'd you do today? What was, what'd you do this? You'll be like, I don't know, eh, whatever. Yeah. Interrogation. You know? Yeah. Well, there's something, it's about burning off that energy. Yeah. Too, right. If you yeah. run around and you're just like, you just, it's, it's like burning off energy sort of lowers some of the defenses too. Cause it's like, Oh, that energy's out. So now I can, yeah. you know, talk about something else. And mm-hmm. I love, um, one of the coolest memories I have from, from boys to men, and this is around rough and tumble play. So we had mm-hmm. boys from 11 to 17 and you know, that, that play is so important. So is rough and tumble. Cause if, if you think of, and this is not, I mean, some people immediately start thinking fight club and it's like, no people. It's like <laughs> play is when you're actually, you know, physically manipulating things. And this is very important because you learn multiple things like, Hey, if I do this too far, it hurts me. It hurts that other person, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a thing about learning about how you can hurt. You're not trying to, you're learning about that. You're learning trust Limits and, so, and stuff. Yeah. One of my favorite, and I can, it was, there was this one very big guy. Um, and, you know, and at one point, and they just had a, like a break between activities. There were two, he was basically wrestling with two small <laughs> boys who like one was around his waist and one was over his shoulder. Right? And I mean, it, it looked like, you know, I was like, it just, and they were laughing and having fun. And, and it was just so beautiful. And, and right, the big guy knew how to wrestle with these smaller guys and not hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the little guys weren't being dumb either, right? Because I'm sure if one of them would have, you know, hit him in the groin, he probably would have dropped him a little yeah, fast. And right. yeah, so it's yeah. like that that play, you know, is is huge for 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 trust in connection. And you know, you um there's definitely like, I remember when I, there was a part of me and I told you, I quit 10th football at 10th grade um, because uh, there was a part of me that absolutely loved pushing, putting my shoulder pads into somebody else's shoulder pads. Right. And just that, that, that push in conflict. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When they're, you know, five inches taller, 80 pounds more. And I'm all of a sudden looking up at the sky on a kickoff <laughs> return. I'm like, okay, no, that's, that's thin, but there's, Less you know, fun. I think in, not in every boy, right. But in, in a lot of boys that, that, that mm-hmm. push, that physical thing is like just something it's, there's a, and for some, right. In, an in innate drive for it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's others like, no, I'll get my contact another way. It's just hug dude. It's, it's fine. There's some it's, kind yeah. of emotional payoff in that, you know, it, yeah. feels, it feels good to release that energy or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's a physical, so there's different, there's different levels of need, different spaces of need. And we all have physical needs. We all have emotional needs. We all have mental stimulation needs. We like, we all have spiritual needs. Um, 
And in a lot of boys, like Steve said, not all boys, but in a vast majority of boys, um, again, there's research backed science showing the, the need of boys to have rough and tumble play and Mm -hmm. girls too, but it's Mm -hmm. higher in boys in boy Mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of these kids that have, have been diagnosed with ADHD in the classroom because they're expected to sit still for seven hours a day. They're like, this is insanity. You're the kids need to be outside. You kids need to were play never some dodgeball. Yeah, no one was, at, and not for thirty minutes a day. That like for four or five hours a day. Like we should be outside. Our children should be outside, running around, exploring, touching things, trees, grass, rocks. What is this? How does this work? Like our physical connection to our world is the, our first teacher mm-hmm. um, of I've, of how we exist here. I've got a, a funny subbing story around that. I was so I, <laughs> I, I sub for fun, not too often because that stuff's exhausting. I mean, yeah. teaching at yeah. college, piece of cake, K through twelve, little kids, <gasps> yeah. oh. especially but, the sub teacher. Man, you get abused. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I do it about once every t- uh, ten days, right? Get, and seeing the different grades, and I'm in this fourth grade cool. class, and they're starting to get squirrely. And you know, I've got boys to men experience. I know what's going on. Just what you talked about the energy. I'm like, all right. We're playing a game. When I say one, everybody runs in place. You know, I say two, everybody does jumping jacks. Three, I can't remember. And four, push-ups. Right? Calisthenics, so, baby. And uh-huh. So we're all, we're all standing up. I'm like, one, and I'm doing it too. And everybody's, you know, running. And I'm like, three. And you can tell they're waiting for the push-ups, right? Two. And I say push-ups. And all of a sudden, there was only one group. And of course, it was boys, right? They're going to explore more where one guy is like putting his feet on the back of the other. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just oh, make boy. The oh, boy. But nice. the cool was there was a group of girls who got into it more than the boys. And there was this one girl mm-hmm. who was just kicking cool. out the the push-ups you know and the girls around her are like yeah you know and it was just it's like you know we did that for two minutes burned off some energy and then they're like okay and, and we went back to doing stuff and it was fine but yeah that our um that running around uh i think whenever i hear right anybody cutting down and reducing the recess time in the activity it's like mm. that's so short-sighted and against everything yeah. we know about kids yeah. psychology and learning and yeah it's, there's a minimum it's, that's uh, that's going to have diminishing returns oh and but how about this to turn this to parents right so these kids these fourth graders this we played a game where i said one number and they did jumping jacks i said two never not the most complicated thing so you know we can <laughs> yeah. do simple stuff with our kids if you know your kid is squirrely and needs to to burn off some some energy um there's you can so that you can do it with them i have a friend darby his his daughter he said she's either going to destroy america or save it because of the <laughs> amount of energy she has i have a couple and, girls uh, in my life that we'd say yeah. that about <laughs> and, and it's legit and when i was over visiting one time he had a big backyard and he'd be like hey isabel big backyard run to the fence and touch it <laughs> come back you know and she's like, zoom zoom and she could do that you know eight times before she's getting winded. And it was like, that was a parenting survival strategy. She needed the challenge. It did just, yeah. And just zoom. 
Um, that was always when I was nannying full time. I like that was that was just out of like there was no question about how we would start our day. I didn't care if it was snowy, zero degrees outside. We I would show up the kid if it was morning time, we'd be eating, we'd eat breakfast. And then man, we got outside. It was the first part of our day. And I it got me outside too. It because I couldn't just be like, all right, like bundle up, see you later. Um, It would get me outside and running around and playful and like they'd be giggling and it would, you know, get me more motivated and laughing and um, making things fun outside. And it's like, and girls need it too. And I, and all kids need it, but I think I just, I don't know. I think we get so used to being in classrooms and offices and our, in our houses and doing chores that like Too many we screens. forget, we forget yeah. and your kids are gonna, are going to do what you do. Um, and so if yeah. you sit on your phone for two hours every morning to start your day, th- like that's what your kids are watching as the example of you know, and, but if you open a book or if you get your shoes on and go outside or, you know, go on a family walk or whatever, you know, you're setting them up for the habits for the rest of their lives. Um, yeah. And it's also a good place where you're not a, you're not a hypocrite if you're also exercising. Yeah. Telling your kid to do stuff that you don't do is just, you're going to lose that battle all of the time. Don't don't smoke. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I mean, th- but that can be great, right? If you were like, hey, if you, uh, you know, if you're sitting all day, you know, that's messing with you too. So it can be great for you get to be a good role model, but you also get off your butt and walk around the block with the dog too, or the kids, or you know, go yeah. to the park. So you know, that's so many. A lot of those things that we, you know, sometimes can feel resentment for or good grief. I have to do this. You mm-hmm. know, if we can reframe and look at it about oh man this is awesome because you know what they're only going to want to hold my hand on walks for so long so long yeah right and then it's going to be side by side and then it's going to be i got friends you know so closing next thing you know they're in colorado yeah (laughs) well that's your opportunity and obligation um i love that phrasing my my husband is he's a very, he's very energized in the mornings. Um, but he, he wakes up and he's instantly ready to tackle his to-do list and his to-do list might be sitting down at the computer and paying bills first thing Mm -hmm. in the morning, which when he wakes up and his body is ready to go and he drinks, he's sipping his coffee. The last thing he needs is to sit down at his desk and try to focus and he's been learning very much recently um, that the first, like, we got a new puppy a few months ago, and that puppy needs walked, okay? And if that puppy does not get his morning walk, he is a terror for the rest of the day. And so, you know, Lewis huffs and puffs, and it's so annoying, and I have this obligation now. We have to walk him in the morning or else blah, blah, blah. And it's cold, and it's and all these things, but he you know, over the several months of having this dog, um, he, he's realizing how much a morning walk 
it makes him feel so much better for the rest of the day. Or if he gets up and does his workout, you know, does his calisthenics and then walks the dog and then comes home and sips his coffee and gets going on his to-do list, like he's a happier human for the rest of the day. Um, And I just think, you know, we're, we're halfway to having our first kid and I just keep looking forward to like all the opportunities inside the obligations. I really Mm -hmm. like that phrasing that you said, Steve, Mm -hmm. because we're, I'm like, Oh, you know, newborn phase, that's going to be hard for all of the reasons. But then once it's like, they need taken care of and they need this and that I'm going to have so much more external, like motivation to care for them versus like, and which will help me take care of myself and be more like movement oriented and outdoor oriented and all of these things. Whereas it's when it's just me, it's so easy to just like, I'm just going to post up on the couch and scroll on my phone. (laughs) They're not, those things are not mutually exclusive. You can, you can, uh, be taking care of your kid and be learning something yourself right? Working on some kind of skill yeah. or internal growth thing. It's like, uh, what's the saying where you can, you can do what you love or love what you do. You know, you can learn to love what you do. And if you're, even though it may not be your favorite thing in the world, it's about mindset. It's about priorities. It's about all the stuff we're talking about being aware, growing where you're at with what you start, where you start at. What are some of the most, I want to bring fathers back into this, um, on the highlight. And I want to know what are some of like, you know, two or three of the most common things that when dads come to you for coaching, what, what do you see most commonly underlying fatherhood these days? In the conversations that I've had, um, I think uh, underneath it, whether it's work-life balance, right? Um, getting the, and I had, I had one dad who, who has a podcast uh, who talked about, he likes work-life harmony as, as a better way to think about it. You need to That's be in harmony goal. in the two. Yeah. 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 Um, underneath that or in underneath like relationship challenges is, is a sense of helplessness. Mm. In, mm-hmm. And I think, and and that is such a, it's such a brutal, uh, brutal to feel powerless, right? Like I I have to keep this job that I hate, but it's making me a bad dad because I'm coming out stressed out, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, how do I, you know, maybe, um, and I don't have this specifically, but I've heard this from other friends, right? About how in a divorce, the child is being used as a, as a tool to punish. Everybody's worried about their own thing. Yep. Yeah, so I th- I think under under so much of this is a, is a uh, sense of powerlessness, mm. right? And and that you know they're at a spot where it's like I I can't do anything, you know, and 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 what a a terrible if you feel like you can't do anything, it doesn't matter what you do, you know. It, it just it, it destroys motivation. The yeah. Will be, yeah, and the whole, you know, it's definitely, I think, um, a part of it is this is how it's always been. So it's very difficult, whatever that has been for the person, very difficult to see a new way 
you know, a, about it. And mm-hmm. sometimes you, you, well, you, if you're in a rut, you can't yeah. see above it. And, yeah. and it's so, uh, it's hard to, you have to figure out, okay, how can you start, you know, what's one thing to, to move you out of the rut? And then, you know, over time it gets to, to open up, but it, the underlying sense of powerlessness, um, mm-hmm. I think you can pick your fatherhood complaint and there's yeah. probably an element yeah. uh, of that in there. Yeah, overcoming the inertia, finding the energy, finding in yourself the energy to be more aware to the, and then go search for solutions. And you have to you have to peel off some of that energy to change course. You know, and I, Rick, you mentioned this too. I, I I know for for myself, one of the things that I had to deal with there is a there is a fear of being authentic. Yes, right. Because if I am really who I am and I start telling people that I don't like that, which I've never mentioned before, I do like this, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, how are they going to react? And, 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 you know, I think Brene Brown, right. will tell you being vulnerable, you build relationships and she's absolutely right. And being vulnerable can absolutely be used against you. And some people will. So it's not, it's not a freebie. I wouldn't tell everybody, well, just go, go be vulnerable, Dave. It'll work. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, you got to find a spot to do it. It's, you know, when you're yeah. at work, when you're in charge of something, you know, that's probably not the time. You don't find a lot of vulnerable ship captains in the middle of war. I'm sitting here thinking about the movie mm-hmm. Greyhound, right? <laughs> People are looking to you for answers. That's not the time to be weepy. Um, compartmentalization you were talking about before but it's by the same token when you come home to your family that's the time to turn it on and be Mm -hmm. authentic with your kids you gotta i think for guys the work home balance thing i think uh, the the tough thing is well when i'm home it's uh, and masking the idea of people wearing masks in different roles and stuff you know as a dad you can work on my mask at home People who know me at work would not know me at home. Yeah. You know, who's that goofy guy rolling around with all these wrestling, all these kids at the same time, you know? And that's a, that, I think that's a good place to start. And then, you know, you gotta, you gotta build up the way it is now. Isn't the way it's always going to be, you know, have a sense of time and boy, but boy, the, I think the, the starting thing is you got to carve out some energy somewhere. You got to figure out, justify some self-care and say, I don't like the way it is. And so if I'm going to make it different, I have to find some energy to expend to how leave 15 minutes early, say no to something right. and walk away from work, you know? And it's sometimes, tough. right. And what you, what you might need to be a better father might have nothing to do immediately with your son or daughter, right? Cause maybe Correct. if you're yep. sleep deprived, forget everything else, what you yeah. need to do is fix your sleep schedule or at least build in 10 to 20 minute naps, nothing longer because then you start moving into REM sleep and you're less revived from it. But it's like so much of that self, that, that good parenting, there's a huge chunk of it that 
has nothing to do with your kids, but has everything to do with how you interact with your kids. Yeah, with you. It starts with you. You got to put your own mask on before you put the oxygen mask on the kids so you don't Mm -hmm. pass out taking care of them kind of thing. Yeah. It's got to be a shorter word for that. But it's it's a place where being sometimes the right thing to do as a parent is to be selfish. Yeah. You know, to make sure, well, you know what? I'm, I'm making sure my kids are eating and my kids are sleeping, but then I'm dang well making sure that I'm also eating something decent mm-hmm. and I'm getting sleep too. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, then that, right, yeah. frees up. We need to invent uh, a word other than selfish for that. We need, a, we need taking care of ourselves so that we have the energy we need to take care of our families as an obligation. It's like, no, you have to fill, you have to fill your cup before you can fill anyone else's. Yeah. Yeah. Cause what do I think of it as being, well, I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to go take some time or something like that. And it's like, no, 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 something in there. If you're doing it all day, every day. Yeah. That's not good. But uh, 15 minutes of that a day or an hour or whatever it takes, that's an obligation because otherwise well, you're going to be barking at people, you know. That's one of those cultural constructs, right? That negative connotations with the word selfish, mm-hmm. right? We tell a kid you're selfish, you're not sharing your toys, you know, or it's like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe he sh- he sh- should share toys or maybe she's covered in peanut butter and he doesn't want peanut butter <laughs> on his Superman, that's which right. is understandable. That's one of the right. situational ethics things. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to evaluate. <laughs> and I, right. We, that goes back to what do I think everybody, and I, I do not have an answer for this because I, I have my answer. I think every, every father, right. Needs to spend some time thinking about, okay, what does it mean to me to be a father mm-hmm. and what do I want that to look like? And mm-hmm. then is, and it is that if you have a, if you have a vision of the father that you want to be, now you've got a direction to move to, right? Yes. With, without a vision and you're already under all the stress, what the heck would you do? Yeah. Yep. You got to have a target. The- Work or yeah, set a goal and work towards the goal. So you're aimed, you know, in some way. And, and I think if you're, if you're off track and not being the parent that your kids need, you know, they have multiple ways of letting you know, and some of them can be pretty detrimental to them too. You know? yeah. So yeah. it's like when I'm, when I see a, a kid who's acting up, right. It would, when I'm subbing, right. Um, the first thing that I wonder is what's going on typically in a boy, but not always right there. Um, what's going on at home Yeah, that it makes sense that he's either looking for so much attention, however he can get it here, or he's trying to bully that kid around, you know, um, you know, destructive attention, you know, negative attention is better than no attention. Right. You know, there's neglect going on. You see a kid being self-destructive then that's like, uh, what what the heck's going on? Yeah, or coming from a chaotic situation, at least now, this is what yeah. I think of when I see those really good manipulator kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, who you can watch them move around and start fires. It's like, dang. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a survival skill. It's, mm-hmm. it's Darwinian. It's not much yep. fun in this polite society, but. <laughs> knows how to, is, is, is affecting control in a very subtle way. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could channel this towards, you know, constructive things instead of saving the world, not destroying the world. (laughs) Awesome. I 
yeah, there's, I feel like I could keep asking you questions all day. We got to have you um, back, Steve. We gotta, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what the schedule we'll looks like. We got to have you back. I'd love to come back. I love this. Um, and I think I, 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 as I've been exploring more uh, dad perspectives to have on the show, I've been finding more that there are coaches out there. There are dads who are coaching other dads and that, that the, um, the programs exist, the coaching exists, the people exist. Um, and that it, it's really about looking, looking for it. I, and I think that, um, I think that it's harder to find because there's less of you. Um, but I think that if anyone did a Google search for a dad coach, they would find, they would find it. And, um, so I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, um, that you share this with someone, anyone that we spread the word so that, that the men in our lives are aware of, of the services that really truly are available to them. I think that social media and common knowledge show all of the mom classes and birthing classes and parenting classes. And I think that, um, that the dad, the dad stuff goes underrepresented. So, yeah. And I just add too, is that to, is to, to look around, right? Because, um, there's, there's a variety, right, of, mm-hmm. of fathers out there, of coaches out there. You know, you find you find the one that you're like, oh, this guy's mm-hmm. making sense, right? Because you got to sure click with couple, one, yeah, yeah, right. And because um, there is, there's so many, there's so many ways to be a good dad. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, and the path to get there is going to be unique for everybody. So you know, whether it's wh- whatever group that you can find, right, or that's Support. It's like the, if I was going to like end. If I was going to, I am ending with this. Um, <laughs> fathers out there, right? No matter where you are in life or how it's going, as long as you are alive, there is a chance. Yes. Yeah. Right. It, it, it might. It and maybe. Maybe it's a small chance, right? And you've done some damage and those kids are going to hold that against you for, but you can, you can start, you can make small movements and you can make small movements, bigger movements. And as far as being a dad, right? The game's never over. Our kids change, they grow up and they, right? Move to Colorado and they start their own lives, (laughs) right? And that's, that's part of it, right? But that's, you know, but, but. And I think this is an awesome example too. And I really appreciate the way that you shared that it, that you have had, you know, you do argue and you've, you've had mm-hmm. arguments oh, yeah. and you know, every, every new age kind of bracket, right. Brings a new set of challenge between the mm-hmm. fathers and their sons and daughters. And, um, but when you get older, it's just, nice because there's some distance now and you can talk about things you couldn't talk about. Yeah. Uh, when, when you were 12 and, 20, you know, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So there's, yeah, never give up hope. The statute of limitations on taking care of your kids, healing with your kids, never answering their questions, never, never runs out. And you can always learn a, a new trick, you know, don't count. And, and all you can change is yourself. You can't fix your kids, right? You, right. you can't control them, but you, you, you can make yourself open and uh, they'll come, they'll come around. If you if you let them, 
Steve, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, we'll link all of your stuff in the show notes as well. But Okay. Um, well, so if you want to see little tidbits, I have the Best Dad Project on, on Facebook. But one really th- uh, thing I'm big on, you know, writing and journaling. So I actually created something free, a, a PDF on oh. journaling that's got three questions cool. that for emotional you get uh, some emotional awareness, which is sort of the, the standard um, questions that you could use. Another set of questions that it's used to look at your parenting. If something goes well or wrong, how you can take a little break and dissect it and get, maybe learn something out of it. And just some general seven strategies for getting more out of a journal. So if, cool. um, totally free. If you send me an email at Steve at Steve coach, right. Send me an email, say, you know, PDF or relational parent, or just say pamphlet, free thing. I'll, I will send you. <laughs> in, uh, if you've got any questions, um, then that's a really easy way to do it. And, um, you know, every once in a while I'll still be sending out freebies, but not, I don't inundate cause nobody likes that. Right. Right. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, we will, we'll link all of that in the show notes so everyone can find you can find your email. Um, and, just thank you so much. Thank you for being here, but also thank you for taking, taking your life experience and transmuting that into serving the world in this yeah. way. Yeah. Making the world a better place. It's good to see you out there. Good to know you're out there. Well, <laughs> thank you. And that's very humbling. <laughs> 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 Awesome. All right. Well, we will see everybody next time. Uh, Happy parenting and good luck out there. Well, did you learn anything new or have you heard all of this before? Do you agree with us? Disagree with us? Have a question? We want to see you in our inbox or via the Patreon page in the show notes. Tap on either link to send us your feedback, share your own parenting story, or support our mission of providing a connected community for all parents. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you loved this episode, click on that little star and give us five of them so we can get visible to other parents who are looking for us. This is your weekly reminder. Parents, you already have everything you need inside of you. You are a strong, loving, capable parent. And here, you are never alone. I'll see you next week.